Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on the extended version of Inside Sources all the way till 3 o'clock today on KSL News Radio. Uh, and as always, uh, would love to have you chime in with whatever you're thinking about today on the uh, news and happenings going on out there. You can always do that on Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Again, Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Only when it's safe. Why? Because safety first. Safety always has to come first. So when it's safe, uh, weigh in. Let us know what's going on. We've had some uh, great texts come in around uh, Rob Bishop. Uh, in fact, there was one uh, young person uh, who said uh, we should have Rob Bishop uh, write procedures about what public service should be uh, and talked about uh, visiting his office back there in Washington, D.C. A lot of uh, thank yous and kudos uh, to Rob Bishop for his decision uh, and for his service. And uh, so we can weigh in on that as we go through the afternoon as well. Uh, I want to shift gears uh, from things relating specifically to Utah to some of the national issues uh, over the weekend. Obviously, there was a Twitter battle uh, between President Trump and Congressman Elijah Cummings. And as always, it uh, unraveled very rapidly. And to me, the the really interesting thing, and I, I was on uh, MSNBC over the weekend uh, talking about this very issue and why it is that we end up in this space and why we cannot have the right kinds of conversation about the right kinds of things uh, that actually move the, the nation forward. And on this panel discussion that I was on with uh, MSNBC, uh, they they talked about a, a couple of things. You know, one they they simply talked about uh, how things happen in Washington. Uh, they had played a clip of uh, Elijah Cummings uh, berating uh, one of the law enforcement officers from the border, uh, part of the ICE unit, and it, it made me think. And I, I commented on this that you know these committee hearings that take place in Congress anymore. Uh, I think we need to one. I think we need to change the name because uh, they're they can't be hearings because nobody is listening at all. Uh, everyone is just waiting for their moment to rant so that they can try to get some kind of social media moment out of it uh, that they can use for fundraising or send back to their constituents or their faithful base back uh, in their home district or state. 
And it, it makes you wonder. I, I mean, I love the transparency of having cameras in those committee hearings. But it also makes me wonder if those cameras are preventing us from asking good questions that would actually help us get to the truth, that would actually help us get to better governance. And again, I'm, I'm all for transparency in these committee hearings, but it seems to me that the cameras in the committee hearings are just creating uh, all kinds of havoc and preventing people. I mean, the, the Republicans, when uh, Mr. Mueller was testifying, could not help themselves. There were so many opportunities where the Republicans could have really demanded some explanation about some of the things that, that were in the report or left out of the report, but they, they couldn't help themselves. They had, they had to get their rant in. They had their, their little pithy little line that they knew they were going to use for fundraising later on in the day. And, and that's part of the problem is we, we've transcended this space where it's about getting to truth. It's about getting to the right answers. It's about getting to the best solutions for the American people. And, and so we, we have to do that. We've got to learn to step back and have a different kind of conversation on so many issues. And I wonder if the way we're allowing Washington to function is part of that problem. In fact, we talked about that with the Representative Rob Bishop, that process matters. And if the process is broken, we're not going to get good results. And so I think we've got to question all of those things in terms of how we're communicating. And so that's part of the issue, to be sure. The other part of the problem is that we... Uh, and we've said this uh, many times, uh, quoting our, our good friend Arthur Brooks, that, that more than we have a political polarization problem, we have a contempt problem in the country. We have a dehumanization problem in the country where it, if someone disagrees with you, then you can immediately just light them up and use every name in the book. You can go down any path you want, and it's okay, especially on social media because you can do it. In anonymity makes it really easy to tear somebody apart, to rip someone down, as opposed to really getting to the uh, the the right kind of discussion. Uh, I want to play for you just a, a little bit of sound. This is from a uh, an interview I did with uh, George Will a little while ago about his book. Uh, his book is called The Conservative Sensibility, and it is not a political book. Uh, in fact, the president of the United States is not even mentioned in the book except maybe once, I think, as it was relating to uh, a specific policy. Uh, but it, it's really about what matters, why does it matter, what is it that we're trying to conserve, uh, and how do we do that? And this is what George Will had to say. It seems to me conservatives are asked sensibly, what is it you want to conserve? And the answer is the American founding, the tradition of natural rights, and the Madisonian constitutional architecture, all of which are under attack today and have been really since the progressive repudiation of the founders began early in the 20th century. So this is not a Washington book. This is not about the 45th president. This is a book about the intellectual tendencies that have brought us to this. Uh, As I say, beginning with uh, the progressives' remarkably forthright and remarkably successful repudiation of the founders at the beginning of the 20th century. All right, again, that's uh, George Will weighing in, and and, uh, really interesting. There was uh, also an article in The Atlantic today uh, that uh, had some quotes from from George Will, uh, an interview there, a little Q&A, and he was asked, what would the founders most fear in today's politics? Which I think is a really interesting question. 
not would they lean to the left or to the right or more government or less government. What what would they fear most in today's politics? And George Will's response was really fascinating. He said the principle of representative government is that the people do not decide. The people choose who will decide. And that's why populism inevitably becomes anti-intellectual. So let me pause there for a second. So again, this is George Will. The principle of representative government is that the people do not decide. The people choose who will decide. So we're being representative. We're choosing people like Rob Bishop, our other elected officials here in the state of Utah. We send them back to represent us. So they will make those decisions, cast those votes. If we don't like them, we are supposed to vote them out of office. That's the way it's supposed to work. But here's the problem. Uh, And this is, I love this from George Will. He said, political leaders today seem to feel that their vocation is to arouse passions, not to temper and deflect and moderate them. So again, if you go back to Madison, go back to the Constitution, the job of political leaders is not to arouse passions, it's to temper them, to deflect them, to moderate them, to get them into a space where the public can have some civil discourse and then the representatives can cast votes and can be held accountable, they can be transparent, and that's how the system is supposed to work. But sadly, we live at a time and in a country and with the weapons, and I call them weapons of social media, that have convinced a lot of politicians that their job is to arouse passion, is to give fiery speeches, is to completely demolish their opposition with every zinger, every dehumanizing word, phrase, or combination they can in order to win. That That's not the way the system was set up. That's what the founders would fear most in today's politics is that the politicians are spending so much time getting people ginned up, amped up, angry. Uh, we call it the lather, rinse, repeat method. Remember, Lather them up, get them angry, get them frustrated, let them rinse that off with a nice donation to your campaign and then repeat it. Shampoo bottle model, just like it says on the bottom of your shampoo bottle, lather, rinse, repeat. That is the problem because the job of our leaders should be to temper, deflect, and moderate the passions and have the discussion about what comes next. All right, when we come back, we will pick up our conversation and uh, continue on here towards the top of the hour on Inside Sources. 